It's so much pressure now. Woke know, America, right? baby. <laughs> I don't know. Woke or broke? Woke or broke. Which one you want? These these companies, I tell you, like it's like every week I just wait to wait to hear what's gonna be new. Like what's it what, what's the next company that's gonna do something just what's absolutely ridiculous? How far can we go? Somebody's gotta take it a step further now, you know, because you know we haven't we haven't gone far enough. I don't know if there's any steps further to go. <laughs> They're trying. They're trying. Invested with purpose, making the most out of your time, talent, and treasures. Pull up a seat and join us as we uncover powerful testimonies that are sure to move and inspire you. Meet Christians from all walks of life and hear their incredible stories that will both motivate and challenge the way you view the world. But, you, know, uh, you know, I found this really interesting. I was sitting in my son's doctor's office this morning, and he had the TV on Good Morning America or whatever, one of those shows. And uh, I saw this commercial for, I think it was Dove Soap, and I felt like this is a company that did it right. <laughs> like, I watched this commercial, and it was really, like, heartfelt. They were showing all different women, and they were doing their, um, you know, moisturizing and stuff with the soap and everything, right. and none of it was, like, you know, some transgender in your face that's obviously a dude. Um, (laughs) And, like, they had this, oh, it was so sweet. They had this girl with Down syndrome. It was so cute. And, like, um, you know, it it felt like everybody got represented, and it was, like, a really nice heartfelt commercial. And I was like, wow, this didn't look like it was pushing an agenda on me. Congratulations. That's right. You figured something out. (laughs) I think if everybody can actually be what they are, then we're accomplishing something in America. That's pretty amazing. You know, but if we want to act like a dog or a cat or a different gender, then, um, you know, we're sending mixed signals to our kids, which isn't good. And we look like fools, if you if you ask me. I know. Well, you know, we're trying hard, you know, to, to look like fools. It's just, <laughs> I think other countries are just, like, looking at us and laughing at us. I like, agree. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, I agree with that completely. You, you were saying earlier that you didn't even know Barbie came out already? I didn't. Man... I've got a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old, both girls, and an 11-year-old boy. Now, the 11-year-old boy, I don't think, is into Barbie too much. Probably not. The girls are getting a little old for Barbie. Uh, you know, okay. Now, I, I have some in my closet, you know, the holiday <laughs> editions, um, but I am not hip to the new Barbie movie. What, have you seen this movie? Dude. I have a boy. He's 13. We're not going to go see Barbie. <laughs> as much as my wife says maybe she wants to see it, she can go see it with her girlfriends. But I ain't. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering. <laughs> I've heard this movie uh, has a transgender, I believe. That's what I've heard. I don't really know much about it. I mean, like, at this point, in this day and age, I feel like it's going to be in most movies. Right. And you, as a parent, it's your job. You know, your eyes better be open before you go into something like this. Well, and the scary thing about this is when you think about merchandising uh, a movie like Barbie. um, So what do we see when we go into a Target or a Walmart or to some store that sells Barbies or Ken's? You know, um, do we start seeing something different on the shelf? Well, well, first of all, we don't go into a Target. That's right. (laughs) That that is true. That is true. But second of all, yeah, I do wonder, like, uh, you know, like, what are they doing? Classic. Uh, I will say, you know, I was, Oppenheimer was the movie that also came out that would appeal to me more. And, you know, actually, I love Christopher Nolan. I've been a fan of his movies. I think they're all very good movies. And I was wildly frustrated that for some reason this one was rated R. And I thought at first it was going to be like, okay, some additional language maybe. Um, obviously, 
uh, we're talking about the atomic bomb. Colorful right. language might be appropriate. Right. Uh, but but here we are, you know, and I find out that it's this prolonged sex scene and there's a lot of nudity. And, and here I've been telling my son, who's 13, yeah, we're going to go see it. We're going to go see it. We're going to go see it. And now, unfortunately, it's it's probably not going to be one that I can really in good conscience take him to see right. in the movie theater. So I was, I was a little bit disappointed by that. Yeah, I think um, that's happening across – all media, uh, it seems like when you turn on Netflix, you know, cable even, uh, we're seeing things that as children, you know, what is that, 30 years ago? 35 yeah. years ago, maybe? <laughs> 40 years ago? ago um, you know, we would never see. I mean, uh, if they had a bathing suit on that was inappropriate, it wouldn't make television. And um, so uh, I know my kids watch, you know, Netflix and, and cable and, and oftentimes – uh, we are trying to shield them um, from a lot of these movies that you're speaking about. And uh, unfortunately, there's some great films that just have something that goes a little too far for um, the average teen or or even child to be able to see. I mean, I'll never forget. See, I'm 45, and I was, I'm trying to remember if this was the late 80s or the early 90s. And there was this wildly popular show called NYPD Blue. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. I remember. And I remember the big deal it was that this show was on, you know, broadcast television and a dude's butt was going to be shown in this show. And, like, people were flipping out. Yes. And this was, like, late, again, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in that time frame. Yes. And you fast forward to today and it's, like, dude's butts in every show. That's absolutely (laughs) right. And I don't know if you remember – MTV back oh in the day, right? Yeah. Um, but some racy videos, but that wasn't everything. I remember when Beavis and Butthead came out. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and, and just some of the content. It wasn't nudity or anything. It, it was just what they were saying was just something we had never heard on television really before, uh, especially in a cartoon, mm-hmm. right? And um, today, that would be standard issue. Right. You know, for, for cable television Definitely for uh, any of the movie or, um, uh, you know, Hulu, Netflix, mm-hmm. platforms like that. Um, so we're in a different, we're in a different culture, uh, different time. And I think protecting our kids uh, from this has become more important uh, than ever. And are there any other ways that you... Besides just the TV and, and the movies, uh, it's you know, it's a that. matter. Of, I mean, like as as a parent, you don't have the job anymore. Um, you know, like I, I talk with uh, movie the folks at Movie Guide, and they they have these wildly revealing stats about how much screen time kids had. And whatever screen time you think your kid has, it's probably double or triple that number, That's and right. you just don't realize it. And like you're you're letting your job as a parent be relegated to the television set that's going to tell them what's right and wrong. And if you do that. Well, you know what you're going to get because it's all over everything. You're not safe on Disney Plus. You're not safe on Netflix. You can put the kids' YouTube on. It doesn't matter. You're not safe for any of it. And you better be doing your job as a parent and and making sure that they, you know, that they don't have this stuff in front of them at all times. Yeah, and there's parental controls to do it. I think a lot of parents just don't know or they're not looking into it. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you another uh, platform that we have to be worried about is Xbox. And uh, PlayStation, and I know my 12-year-old came in the other day, and he said, Dad, I have a lot of friends. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, friends? You know, these people that you know from school. And he said, oh, no, these are people I play the game with, right? Whether it's Fortnite, whether it's some of these other games, right. which I don't always agree with, but uh, sometimes he gets to play. Right. Um, 
And that is concerning as a parent. I explained to him, you don't know who these people are, mm-hmm. uh, number one. And uh, so we shouldn't be talking to them if we don't know who they are. But to monitor that as a parent, it's Good no night. longer going to work coming home. Your kids play outside and then they come in when the lights go down or well, excuse me, when the sun goes down, you guys eat dinner together and then go to bed. That is not what America looks like anymore. And um, so for parents out there, if you think your kid is playing Xbox or PlayStation <laughs> and not talking to people with a headset, you have lost your minds and, oh, and we need goodness. to get involved. Yeah, it's a, it's a totally different world. You know, back when I was a kid, my mom knew all my friends because she would invite, she would have me invite them over to our house whenever right. we did anything. That way she got to know, it was so sneaky. She got to know all of my <laughs> friends. Now, you know, I got, Noah's got all these friends online, like you just said. Like, I don't know who these people are. And I don't think you know who these people are. So we That's cut right. that right out. That's We're playing right. with friends that you know from your school or from church or from somebody. I, you know, I have to. This is a physical person. I have to have note. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I remind my wife that uh, we used to have to call the home and ask to speak to our friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it usually was a parent that answered the phone. No longer, ladies and gentlemen, do we have to do that. Everybody <laughs> has a cell phone. Most likely, your children by a certain age maybe even elementary, fifth grade, fourth grade, or above, has a phone. And uh, they can just be contacted, contacted by anyone, mm-hmm. uh, including their friends, maybe the friends that you don't want them to hang out with. Um, so any, any ideas for that? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have an idea, but you're going to laugh at this one. So my son the other day, he says, there's this person that they've got the wrong phone number. Because he just got a phone this year for the first time. He's 13. And he's like, they're texting me. And I think it's some grandma or something, and she's just got the wrong number. And I've been telling her, I am not who, whatever the name it was, is, you know, and it's like, she's like talking like she wants to, like, you know, like she's trying to meet her grandson for dinner or something. And I'm like, buddy. Oh, no. (laughs) I hate to tell you this, but it's probably not a grandma. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're going to... Going to lead to a good conversation we're going to have about how spam bots have become very good at targeting. That's right. And they're looking for more than just a good time at dinner. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's a good conversation to have, especially at at that age. Yes. Um, And uh, kids, you know, kids are naive. Yeah. Kids are innocent. And unfortunately, we have people preying on that innocence. And, um, And hopefully the guests that we have on today is going to talk a lot about that uh, in John Stenberger and um, in ways that we can get active in our community um, and in legislation mm-hmm. uh, and in the government. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've known John for, um, you know, ever since I started working in Timothy Plan. So it's been 17 plus years. And, and when they say that this guy, it, like he never sleeps and he's he's like the most important person you don't physically know or have ever met in the state of Florida, they're not kidding. I mean, like, this guy is relentless, and he is uh, such an advocate for families and parents and Christians and conservative politicians to, you know, actually do what they say they're going to do. I mean, this is the kind of guy you want on your side. I'm glad he's on our side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't think there's anything else to do but get John Stenberger in here, and, and let's talk to him. Yeah. All right, so joining us today is John Stenberger. He is an AV-rated Orlando attorney who has been a conservative policy advocate for over 30 years. 
In 1992, he was appointed as the political director of the Republican Party of Florida during the final campaign of former President George H.W. Bush. Stenberger has been quoted in news and media sources hundreds of times as an expert on law, policy, culture, and politics, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Time, The Economist, and National Public Radio. A sought-after speaker around the country, John Stenberger is also a member of the Council for National Policy, and in a feature article on his work, the Miami Herald called him one of the most interesting and influential people you've never heard of. In 2009, Orlando Magazine named him one of the top 50 most powerful people in Central Florida. And in 2018, Florida Trend Magazine named him one of the top 500 most influential business leaders in Florida. In addition to the private practice of law, in 2004, Stenberger became the president of the Florida Family Policy Council. Since starting the Florida Family Policy Council, he served as chairman of the campaign to amend Florida's constitution to define marriage as the union of one man and one woman, which was adopted by 61.9% of Florida voters in 2008. I remember that well. Most recently, as an Eagle Scout and former Scoutmaster, John was one of the primary founders and now the chairman of the board for Trail Life USA, a Christian scouting movement for boys which started in 2014 and now has around 30,000 members with 800 troops chartered in 48 great states. John, thank you for joining us. Brian, Nathan, it's great to be with you guys. Absolutely. That is quite a prolific uh, history that you have there. Uh, but maybe we'll just get to a piece of it. How did you end up taking over and, and working with the Florida Family Policy Council? Because that's how I know you. So I was minding my own business as a trial lawyer, making a rather remarkable amount of money, given the fact that we grew up in, you know, not not wealthy circumstances. And um, we had just resolved a case, got out of debt, just bought our first house, and folks in the family came to us and said, hey, we're going to restart the policy council in Florida. This is about 20 years ago, and uh, we'd like for you to, to do that. So we, I helped them find half the board, and focus helped find the other half the board. And... Um, we were doing a national search for the for the leader of the organization, and uh, everybody kept saying, "Well, maybe you should do this, John." Mm-hmm. And I made a list of the criteria what we were looking for in a leader. And my board and my secretary and focus kept saying, "Well, this this sounds really like you." And so that, at that point, it was kind of like, you know, Dick Cheney was on the committee to find the vice president and ended up being the vice president years ago. And so, it, kind of the same thing is how I got to to do this role here. So. Isn't it amazing how that works? You come up with a job description and then you fit the job job description. Yeah, yeah I've I've had that happen too many times. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out well. Or in your case, it works out great because we have you. Um, so, how many other states have policy councils? Do you know? Yeah, so we're one of uh, a network of forty states that have state based policy councils. We come under the umbrella of a group called Family Policy Alliance, which I have a leadership role in, helping to guide and. Um, yeah, so it's a great group. We're all we kind of originally birthed by Dr. Dobson and focus on the family back in the day, uh, but we're now a separate entity that still exists. But we cert- certainly recognize focus and Dr. Dobson as kind of the founder of our movement. So. Dr. Dobson like basically raised me as a third parent. <laughs> like my parents followed so much of what he did. I think it it helped me turn out okay. So I think it works. <laughs> so I have I have high reverence for Dr. Dobson. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, now that we kind of found out what got you into this, um, 
I, I, I find I, it's captivating. I was reading that the bio, you know, before we started, and it talks about like one of these. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something about one of the most interesting people that you've never heard of or something to that effect. And I describe you to people like that all the time because I've met you over the years through these policy council dinners and, of course, in circles with Art Alley. And it's like I say the name and everyone's like, who's John Stenberger? And I'm like, he's like the most important guy you've never heard of, <laughs> <laughs> like all that he does in Florida. Um but like you know, so so. But tell tell us what is it that you that you do that is like it's it's behind the scenes, but it's just so important. What is this policy council? What do they, what do you do? So we're looking to affect policy, um, elections, uh, judges, culture, pastors. We're working. We do have a in some ways we have a high profile, but we try to stay under the radar at the same time. I know that sounds contradictory, but we're not looking to get publicity unless it furthers the cause and helping to be a voice in the culture for an issue or something. Mm -hmm. um, but we're very involved with the legislative process in trying to pass laws that are protecting families and children. Protecting children is a really big deal right now. The mm -hmm. uh, our opponents in this culture are trying to go after our kids' minds and hearts. They're trying to go after their bodies in some, in some cases. And so both born and unborn, we're trying to protect children in the womb, outside the womb uh, from the state, which is seeking to be an aggressor uh, to them. So in the legislature is a big part of what we do. We try to mobilize in elections. We do voter guides. We're very involved with judicial selection statewide in all judge races. Mm -hmm. um, we've been involved in helping the governor advise him on various Supreme Court picks in Florida Supreme Court. Um, yeah. And then we're also engaged in cultural issues. We created a Christian scouting movement called Trail Life USA, mm -hmm. which now has about a thousand troops in all 50 states. About 50,000 members. And so we've been involved with several other things as well. We're publishing a book called Legacy of Life, which is the honoring 50 of the greatest pro-life leaders of the last 50 years. And so we've, we've done a lot of different kinds of projects, but where our main focus is policy here in Florida. Excellent. Excellent work. And um, I see so many parallels in what Timothy Plan does and kind of what you do, even though they work in different areas where we're working in necessarily more in, in the stock market and companies, and you're more working for policy and government. Um, but as you kind of just mentioned, um, you know, in this world that we're in right now, we have these companies that are just, they're ready to jump off a cliff to like alienate half their fan base or their, their consumer to make some kind of strange point and score some ESG score in some way or fashion. And on the other end, you're, you're doing lobbying, you know, with the, on the government side of things. Um, what is it that, um, you know, like, how is it that you're affecting change on your side? We'll ask. Well, I do think that overall, um, we have to look at institutions. Our whole movement is examining the areas of banking, uh, insurance, and CRMs, contact uh, resource management systems for technology. In all three of those areas, we've had instances where companies have basically pushed us away and said, we don't agree with what you believe with. We had six of our uh, groups, actually years ago, all of us went into bed with Convio and Salesforce uh, in terms of having a contact management system. Mm -hmm. And the whole creative department there basically said, we're not going to work with these guys. And wow. they threatened to leave the entire company. So they breached their contract with all of our states. We went into litigation and had a settlement as a result of that. Um, 
On top of that, we've had um, Wells Fargo Bank tell some of our members, you know what, we're not going to do business with you because we don't like what you believe. Um, and so as a result of that, our chairman of our board, um, Bennett Brown, who's been the president of several banks, just started Old Glory Bank out of, out of uh, Oklahoma. And Old Glory is now a nationwide bank, and they've got more applications than they can even process. <clears throat> it's online mostly. There's brick and mortar in uh, Oklahoma. But this is a quality bank that's not going to discriminate based upon what you believe. And so we're doing this in the area of insurance as well. And in these technology areas, we're trying to create institutions that can sustain organizations like ours and others around the country without being discriminated against. Rod Dreher just wrote a book called Live Not By Lies. And he's basically saying, look, the, the, the culture is becoming so hostile. We're probably not going to see, we're not going to see persecution like we've seen it in third world countries. Uh, but we're going to see the denial of opportunity. And we're seeing that in universities or institutions. The military are pushing people who are Christians out, pushing people to have conservative values out of the marketplace. It's incredible to think that we could come this far. I mean, you go back to 2008, because um, I'm a native Floridian, and uh, I remember well the whole the marriage amendment that was on the ballot. You were such a huge part in even getting that there, and then getting the votes to get it passed, um, which in Florida is a tall order. You have to you have to cross over more than just 50 percent, um, and so that easily passed in 2008 with all of your hard work. And yet here we are in 2023, and everything's undone. It's, it seems it seems crazy. Um, so at Timothy Plan, like we engage in companies, you know, with companies, but it will not invest in certain companies for what they do. How would you recommend someone get involved on a more political side of things and what you're doing? How can, how can people get involved that way? Yeah. So, you know, folks can go to our website. If you're in Florida, flfamily.org, flfamily.org. There's a whole list of all of our movement states. If you're outside of Florida, um, at Florida, um, sorry, Family Policy Alliance, familypolicyalliance.org has a list of all of our organizations nationwide. Um, but folks can get involved in a, in a number of ways. Um, we have a big uh, day at the Capitol where we bring about two to 300 people to show them exactly how law is made, lobbying on the issues. Uh, they have an audience with the Supreme Court Justice. Um, so it's just a great time to be able to understand the process face to face. And uh, that's what we recommend is to get involved and get engaged so you can see the process. And how can we as just individuals get involved? It feels so like, you know, write your congressman, call your congressman. Is that doing the job? Can we do more? Can, can, can we help do more somehow? <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised if a legislator gets 10 people in their district, like that are literally voting for them and could possibly run against them. Uh, to call in on an issue, that's a really big deal. And they, they make note of that. Oh, wow. Now, just blasting generic emails from all over the country or from outside the district. But if you, if you have a targeted focus effort, that's a really big deal to a congressman or to a state legislator. So um, those calls and letters and emails do make a difference. Great. John, I, I got a question as a parent. Um, I know we are in this culture war and we see companies that are constantly pushing the agenda, but also colleges, um, public schools. And for parents that cannot afford uh, maybe a private school um, or definitely for these children that are going to universities, uh, how do we navigate this as a parent 
uh, for children. What, what is your opinion on that? Well, I think the first question is, um, we have to ask ourselves, is college really appropriate for every child? And the answer is no, it's not. I mean, we kind of had that, for those of us who have been to college, it's kind of the default. We want our child to go to college. But that's not necessarily the right thing for everybody. Uh, you can make a pretty good living as a plumber or as a you know person that does drywall contracting. Uh, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of professions that don't require a college education that are just kind of labor-intensive and skill-based uh, that you can make a pretty good living at. Um, so I think that that's one thing when you do start with that. Secondly, yeah, a lot of colleges and sadly, even Christian colleges are just, they're pumping out a lot of garbage and lies to our children. So we have to be discerning. And here we are as a parent trying to build in and block out stuff, build in the good stuff, block out the bad stuff for our entire kids' lives. And then we're turning them over to a secular university that's going to eat them alive. Um, so we have to prepare those young people, prepare their hearts and minds to be confronted with the bad ideas and the lies of the culture. And when they do, we send our kids to Summit Ministries in Colorado Springs. It's a 14-day worldview training. Uh, so they're able to understand and hear these things from the, from the classroom. They can say, okay, I, I understand what that means, and I understand why that's not true. Otherwise, you know, what we saw in God's Not Dead with the professors going after that young Christian student, that's, that's reality. I mean, you're really right. trying to break our children down and try to help them to deconstruct everything we've helped them to believe. So we have to be discerning about where we send our children to college. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's become more apparent than ever. You know, I, I have the privilege, at least I can send my son to a private school, and we've, we've made the sacrifice to do so because it's so important, like you said, to, to bring in the good and kind of block out the bad as best as possible as parents while you're, while you're shepherding them through their early and most influential years. Um, and, you know, we see this. It's constantly getting pushed in every direction. Um, I know you're a family man as well. How do you, how do you navigate all this in, in your own family? Yeah, so that's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, all you can do is what you can do. You know, you hold your children with an open hand. Uh, you try to do the best you can to build in the good stuff, block out the bad stuff. Um, there's no guarantee, right, for parents that the children are going to come out amazing all the time. Um, you know, sometimes I think my children are going to be Pulitzer Prize winners. And then other times I think they may end up in a federal penitentiary. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just joking, but there, there's ups and downs to all this, but um, you know, we try to in as much as we can uh, train them in the way that they will go and try to raise them and show them values and teach them right from wrong. Um, we, we've chosen to homeschool our kids. Not everyone can do that. And again, we're trying to protect them from just the twisted ideas of the world and the lies of the world. Um, until they're ready to think on their own two feet. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's our job as parents to definitely steer them in the right direction. And if we're going to let the world and the entertainment of the world do that for us, we're abdicating our responsibility for sure. Um, I at the same time, we're trying to protect them. We expose our kids to the bad things. We want them to understand first before the mm -hmm. world gets to them the perversion that's out there and God's design for marriage and family and the human experience. We want them to see those things. A lot of parents would say, oh no, that's, you know, I don't want to talk about those things. Let's just protect them. Well, what's going to happen is the world gets them first for the first time they're hearing about transgenderism or whatever it is. Right. right. And so they don't have a perspective to gird their, gird themselves and think about it clearly. 
That's so true. I mean, um, you can shield them to a point that they don't even, you know, the first time they see it, they may not understand what's the big deal. You know, like you haven't really had the conversation as to why it's a big deal. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, I wanted to, before we stopped, I wanted to talk a little bit about the trail life thing. I remember, again, growing up here, I remember when that this whole thing went down where Boy Scouts, they softened their stance. They started letting, uh, you know, uh, gay leaders into the organization. And now we have a situation, of course, where they're with the kids. And uh, this kind of just all happened in rapid succession. And you had the courage to just stand up and say, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm leaving the Scouts. I'm going to start trail life. And now that has blossomed into, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's all over the country. Um, wh- what was that experience like <laughs> to do that? Yeah, it was very daunting. I mean, um, you know, I love the Boy Scouts. It was like, you know, it was just so meaningful to me as a young man growing up. And to think about opposing this organization publicly was very hard to get my head around initially. But ultimately, we had to understand that truth is far more valuable than tradition. And we had to basically just confront this thing, even though it was a very endeared and it was one of the most beloved, uh, you know, institutions in, in the world, not, not to mention in American history. Uh, you think about Norman Rockwell and, you know, camping and all the good things that scouting is, and they basically become woke now. The entire mm-hmm. institution, they're promoting global warming. They promote, just, you know, horrible diversity issues that's just inappropriate for children. They've infused sex and politics in scouting by doing this. And so it's just really perverted the entire organization. It's not safe anymore. I mean, openly gay boys content with other boys. They don't try to identify them or set them apart in any way so they discriminate against them. Basic youth protection policy, we don't tent boys and girls together. Why? Because they're attracted to each other, right? Well, if you have a boy as a same-sex attraction, and we're saying, yeah, let's just let him, let him sleep with any other boy he wants to, the rescue for disaster. And the scouting, they already have literally hundreds of thousands of sexual abuse claims. So they're pouring kerosene on an open flame when they do all this. And it's all because, Brian and Nathan, because they just lack the courage to say, no, we're going to protect our boys, even if it's politically incorrect. So they're allowing the culture, and they we've seen this happen with many corporations. They've allowed the board of directors to be infiltrated, not by veteran scouters who grew up in the movement and understand what it means to be a man and all that, but they started getting woke CEOs from big corporations that were giving them money and the pressure from the culture, all they didn't want to be on the outside of what was considered the mainstream of America. So they conformed and they caved to some of the chorus values that we should have in a boys' organization. It's incredible the parallels you can see from something like that to where we are in corporate America, where now you see boards and leaders of companies that are folding to cultural issues that even five to ten years ago would have been not even thought of. And here we are now where where everyone seems to be folding and coalescing around things that they think are the, the right thing to do because culture and population and, and leadership and government is telling them it's the right thing to do. And they're not using the common sense that they had just 10 years ago when it wasn't the right thing to do. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, so I wanted to close again by, t- as, you know, tell us where we can get involved um, I mean, Florida, especially, of course, if you're in Florida, of course, supports this this organization, but other policy councils around the country as well. And how 
we as the public can get involved in helping you all to to get better legislation to our leaders and better justices on our Supreme Court and just better leaders in general? Yeah, so familypolicyalliance.org, familypolicyalliance.org is the national organization. And look under allies and you'll be able to find the whole list of 40 state-based organizations like ours around the country. And get on the mailing list, go to their events, introduce yourself, make a contribution. Those are the kind of things that can be done to really connect and to take it to the next level where you're not just a voting citizen, you're an active citizen really making a difference. That's definitely the key to be an active citizen for sure because um, I've, I'm personally, I'm sure Nathan is too, we're, we're very much voting citizens, but I can only do so much with my vote. I need to be a little bit more active in everything that I do because uh, politicians, like you said, they listen. Uh, which is amazing to me that they'll listen to a letter or a phone call, but they listen. <laughs> so thank you, John, for, for joining us today. We really appreciate your perspective and, and the culture and, and everything that's going on uh, both in the state of Florida and just around the world um, with all these policy councils. So thank you again. Invested with Purpose is brought to you by Timothy Partners Limited, advisor to the Timothy Plan Funds. Timothy Plan is a family of biblically responsible mutual funds and ETFs. For more information, please visit Timothy Plan's website at www.timothyplan.com. And remember to find us on all of the major social media platforms such as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.